You don't want the Lord to be comfortable and at home in our hearts and in our lives. And we said, Lord, if you want an abiding place, if you want a place to be, a place to rest, then you're welcome to my life. And I want you to take rest in me. Jeremiah chapter 12 and verse 5. If you have run with the footman and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain or in the rising of the Jordan? Are you ready to be blessed? You may be seated. The strength of a person is not revealed by how he or she functions when demands are low and when conditions are ideal. A person's ability to survive and to succeed are not determined by how that person deals with normal, everyday living. Even the term survives implies that one has confronted something that might have taken them out, but they outlasted it and they kept on living. Strength and ability are manifested and developed when the burden is heavy. And when conditions are complicated and adverse, you can't become a great athlete or a great sea captain sitting in an easy chair in front of the television. There's not much of anything you can become or accomplish sitting in an easy chair in front of the television. A great athlete is revealed only after the most difficult and tough of opponents and contests have been endured and conquered. A great sea captain is revealed only after he has successfully stood at his post of command through many violent storms and through many violent attacks. In every area of life, we would do well to prepare for the complicated, for the unexpected, and for the difficult. If you expect to last, if you expect to survive, you've got to be ready to deal with periods of diminishing returns, periods of drought, scarcity, trouble, distress, and affliction. This is why we all should buy insurance. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some kind of insurance. 
Not because we want to get sick. Not because we want to have an accident, but we may get sick. We may be injured. We may have an automobile accident. The house may catch fire. Sooner or later, we're going to die. And so if we're wise, we buy insurance. Affliction is misery, suffering, trouble, torment, sickness. It is a persistent pain or, or distress. Affliction is a very unpleasant experience. And nobody enjoys affliction. But all of us will one day or another face some kind of affliction. And it's during times of affliction that we are most likely to perish. But my focus on today is the fact that there are many people whose survival is jeopardized even when they don't face affliction. They can hardly make it even when things are going well and everything is all right. There are some people who can hardly deal with just mere day-to-day -day living. If you're one of those persons who have food to eat, clothes to wear, a place to sleep, you remember the church, you have relatively good health, but life is still unbearable for you, this message is for you on today. Proverbs 24 and 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And if that is true, and it is, then the faith of those who faint when there is no adversity, a little adversity, their faith must be almost non-existent. It's all right to say amen to me every once in a while this morning. It won't scare me. And so Jeremiah 12, 5 says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how can you contend with horses? In other words, if, if, if men on foot are wearing you out, then there's not a trace of hope for you when men come on horses and attack you and come against you. And Jeremiah said, if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, how will you do in the rising of or in the floodplain of the Jordan? You not only hurt the church and the work of God when you tolerate spiritual mediocrity in your life, you guarantee that you're going to be devastated in the midst of the trial. If you're just half active and half surviving under normal circumstances, what are you going to do when trouble really comes your way? If you have little time for the church, if you're not consistent in godly living and godly giving, where will you be when the time comes for real spiritual champions to step forth and serve the Lord? Where will you be when difficulty and trouble arises that might stand between you and your involvement in the work of God? If you're not involved under normal circumstances, what are you going to do when it really gets tough? 
Are you with me? This is why even the smallest of projects that most churches launch is like pulling teeth and amputating limbs. Some things we try to do is like pulling folks' teeth. You'd think we were trying to pull their teeth out. You would think we're trying to cut off their limbs. Some people would almost die rather than give $1,000 to the church. I mean, that would be for them a sentence worse than death. Now, some of them wore $1,000 worth of clothes to church. Shoes, hats, $1,000 to go to church, but never $1,000 for church. Uh-huh. That's God's money. I said, that is God's money. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God blessed you with everything you have. Can I meddle a little while? Everything you've got, God gave it to you. It's the grace of God. And if God wants some of it back, and you're reluctant and apprehensive when God says, bless my word, give this, do that. What further reason does God have to continue blessing you? If there's someone else that he can bless who will give it all back if he wants it. There's somebody else whom he can bless who's willing to go to Africa or Haiti or wherever he would have them to go. Why would God choose you over blessing those who are committed to his work. God had to keep Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. Only after that time were they really ready to go into the promised land. When they left Egypt, they were rich. God had called the Egyptians to give them great treasures. And God had shown his power to deliver them by sending down plagues upon their enemies and pushing back the Red Sea so that they could go across. But once they were free, they still had a slave mentality. They still had a defeatist attitude. And when they came to the land of Canaan that was flowing with milk and flowing with honey and all kinds of fruits and all kind of benefits and all kinds of blessings they were afraid of the giants who were in the land even though God was on their side and even though it was a good land and a beautiful land they said no there are giants in the land and we are like grasshoppers in their sight and we're like grasshoppers in our own sight and so God kept them in the wilderness until they were ready to be good soldiers and ready to be a good army, an army that would fight and overcome the enemy and an army that would trust God no matter how difficult and no matter how adverse the circumstances may have become. God might well have said, it's going to be tough up there and I can't let you go up there in your present mentality. I can't let you go until you're ready. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, and Moses said, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in 
your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. God, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that I might test you to do you good in the end. And I've got good news for somebody. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, God says, listen, I'm going to use all of that, if you will let me do so, to bring you to a good end. In the end, in the outcome of this, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you more than you ever thought you could become. God had a good end in store for them, but he had to get them ready for that end and for that objective. And the reason that they were fearful and unbelieving was that they were more concerned about their welfare than they were about God's plan for their lives. I said they were more concerned about their welfare than they were about the plan that God had in mind for them. God has a plan for your life and you must focus on that plan and not worry about the repercussions or the circumstances. Just follow God's will and God's plan and when God knows you're confronted and involved in his plan, then God will bring you to a good end. They were fearful. They were unbelieving, and God knew that they were not ready. God judged and condemned their fear. He judged and condemned their unbelief, their priorities, and when the judgment of God was upon them, even though they said, we can't go up, we're afraid, God's judgment was more terrible than the enemies in the land might ever have been. And they said, listen, if God's going to deal with us like this, then let, let's just decide we're going to go in. And God said, no, you can't go in now. If you'd gone in when I told you to go in, I would have helped you to go in. But since you hesitated and you were fearful and unbelieving, I'm bringing down judgment. None of you all who were fearful and afraid and would not trust me is going to go in. I'm just going to have to use the next generation. And when God brought down that judgment, then they got together and said, listen, let's go, let's go. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 40 through verse 45, they rose up early in the morning, went to the top of the mountain, said, Moses, we're here and we're ready to go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, don't transgress the command of the Lord. You're not going to succeed. Do not go up. God said, you can't go up. If you go up, you're going to be defeated, for the Lord is not among you. And those enemies, the Amalekites and the Canaanites that were in the land came down upon them when they went up on the mountaintop and destroyed them and attacked them and drove them out of the land. God had had them on the fast track to success. I said God had had them on the fast track. God knows how to fast track you. Don't worry about how much time it takes, how long it takes, how rough it is. Listen, no matter how long it takes, when God puts you on the fast track, you are on the way. God knows how to move you to the front of the line. Oh, yes, he can. God, God can do it. This is why you need to trust him. And they had been on the fast track, but they were confused about their priorities. And they started to worry about themselves rather than pursuing the purpose of God.
And when they did decide to act, they acted from a selfish motive and God allowed them to be defeated. Listen, when you go into places that God has not told you to go, when you neglect the will of God, the plan of God, the blessing of God on your life and decide to do things in your own way, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Does anybody here know the Lord can put you on the fast track? People can stand back and be amazed at how God begins to work in your life. And, and it's really fun uh, when folk have opposed you and tried to hold you down and push you down and hold you out. And then all of a sudden God steps in and picks you up, puts you right up in their face and then takes you higher than you've ever gone before. He prepareth a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen, you, you need some enemies around. Don't worry about your enemies. Don't get disheartened. Don't get discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. You need some enemies around because God wants to prepare a table before you and he needs some enemies so he can do it in the presence of. Hallelujah. Don't be rushing into places and grabbing on to things grabbing on to positions and responsibilities when you're not ready for them. Listen, when God moves you, it's just as natural as a planet revolving and rotating in its orbit. And so somebody here today, somebody here today seems to be in the wilderness and you feel like you're going around and around and around and getting nowhere fast. It may be good to go to God and ask God, why are you keeping me at this level so long? What is it that's preventing me from rising to the next level? See, sometimes you can't go to the next level because God knows you're not ready for the next level. But there's one thing that's good about God, God knows how to help us get ready for the next level. Well, let's talk about getting to the next level. What is the first step in getting to the next level? It's right priorities. Look at your name and say right priorities. Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Put priority on the kingdom of God, the, the plan of God, the will of God. The first priority must be to do his will and to be within the fold of his righteousness. When God knows that you are concerned about these things, then God will begin to advance you. God will begin to promote you. And God will begin to entrust into your hands his resources. For God knows he's first. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose God says if you love me if you pursue my purposes I will work for your good 
if you are about my priorities and the things that concern my purpose, then I'll be concerned about blessing you, taking care of you, and providing for you. Hallelujah. Now, what God is this that's talking to us? Because this just ain't any old God. This is not just, just some feeble, weak God. This is the God that created the universe. And this is the God that raised from the dead Jesus Christ, who is alive forevermore. And listen, if that God can raise Jesus from the dead, then there is nothing that God cannot do in your life. I don't care what's dead. I don't care what's dormant. I don't care what's going backwards. I don't care what's in trouble. I don't care what you need. God has the ability to do it because he raised Jesus from the dead and he can raise up your crashed and broken dreams and broken hopes. Hallelujah. You're not ready to be blessed until blessings are not your first priority <laughs> when blessings are your first priority you'll never be satisfied when your eyes are set on things when you're looking at what you want to have and what you want to accomplish on this earth there'll always be something else always be something else to reach for always be something else to stretch for you get a Ford, you want a Continental, you get a Continental, you want a Mercedes, get a Mercedes, you want a Bentley, get a Bentley, you want a Rolls Royce, you want a Rolls Royce, you want a private jet, get a private jet, you want a bigger private jet, always something more to look for and to reach for. And if things are what you value and what you strive for, you'll never be happy, you'll never be satisfied, and most will never even get any of the things that they're reaching for. But when you reach for God, oh, bless the name of Jesus. It was Paul, it was Paul, it was Paul. And, 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 and you need to know this scripture, Philippians 3 and 7. Paul said in Philippians 3, 7, what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yea, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, but dung, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then Paul said that I may know him. That's what it's all about. I want to know God and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Listen, when you really know God, you know God in his fullness and the same power by which he raised Jesus, you become acquainted with and involved in that mighty power and that power is yours to carry you everywhere the Lord would have you to go. Clap your hands and give God praise. You're not ready to be blessed until you're able to say to the Lord, the greatest thing in all my life is loving you, praising you, pleasing you. God, you're number one. I seek you first. I love you because of who you are and what you've done. I love you because you love me. I love you because of what you are in my life and what you make me to become. I love you, Lord, because there's nothing on earth that's more important than you. It is in you that we live in you that we move and it's in you that we have our being 
Well, you might say, well, my preacher, all oh, that's okay. But I'm doing all right already <laughs> without all of that. I would say, well, you might be blessed, but do you have a guarantee that your blessings are going to last? And when you get blessed on this earth and you close your eyes in death, what about the next world? Are you going to be blessed there also? And the blessings that you have, listen, they are nothing compared to the blessings that God can give you. Is anybody here No, can't nobody bless you like God can bless you? Amen. I told you he's a fast track God and God can do more in a minute of favor than you can do in a lifetime of labor. Oh, well, somebody would get glad with me in here. Tell your neighbor, God can do more in a minute of favor than you can do in a lifetime of labor. God can just take a notion to bless you. God can just pour out a blessing in your life and, and it's more than you ever could have gotten after years of working on your job. God can just snap his finger, bat his eye and you can walk up into a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask uh, that we may think. And Psalm 84 and 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And then finally, eye hath not seen, <laughs> ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Y'all don't want to hear no preaching today. I guess I better hurry up and get through here. If you want to move to the next level, make God your first priority. But there's also something else you need to understand if you want to be blessed, and that is new level, new devil. Look at your neighbor and say, new level, new devil. I heard somebody say that. And what that person meant was that the devil uses a different strategy against us at every new level that we reach. I said the devil uses a different and additional strategy against us at every new level that we reach. There's a new demon at every level. And listen, if the devil at your present level is walking all over you and doing anything with you that he wants to, what do you think that the next level devil is going to do when you get there. You'd better beat the devil on this level because when you get to the next level, there's gonna be a different devil that you'll be dealing with. And if you don't deal with the devil at this level and you get to the next level, you're gonna have two devils to deal with, two strategies that he'll come against you with. Yield not to temptation, yielding is stand. Each victory will help you some other to win. Listen, as you get victories in God, as you master and overcome the opposition and the temptation of the enemy, then you are able to move to the next level and deal for God on that level also. A victory on the present level 
will help you get the victory on the next level. As a matter of fact, just deal with the now. Just deal with what you're confronted with now and God will help you when you prepare to face your tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. As you move higher, with new blessings will come new challenges and new problems and even new persecutions. Sometimes if you knew what the next level had in store for you, you would almost say, no, thank you, Lord. I'll just stay right where I am right now. Kind of like the Lord asked, man asked the Lord, Lord, help me. I need a new wife. I need a wife. I need a wife. Not a new wife. I need a wife. And, and so finally the Lord brought a lady up before the, Lord, before the man and said to him, there's your wife. man said, that's all right, Lord. I'll find one on my own. Increased blessings bring increased responsibilities. I said increased blessings bring with them increased responsibilities. God expects, God expects profit. God expects benefit from the blessings that he gives to us. And Luke 12, 48 says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And that was a place where men came before God and before the master and the master gave them talents, one, two, and five. And, and the man with five doubled and the man with two doubled. But the one with one buried his talent and said, Lord, I knew you were a, a stern man and you get what you go after. And I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the earth. And the man said, take the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten talents. And that seemed to be so unjust and so strange. It seemed like God would just let him keep that little one talent since he only had one. But when God does business, God does productivity. And God wants us to be productive in his work. If you're already blessed, what fruit can you present to justify the investment that God has made in your life? If you're not profitable to God, then God has no continuing reason to keep on blessing you. Jesus cursed barren trees. Jesus cursed barren people, but he blessed the folk that produced and generated fruit for the Lord. But then let me close this message by saying if you want to be blessed, you got to be satisfied, but not satisfied. And you might ask, well, what are you talking about, people? Satisfied, but not satisfied. Well, I'm talking about uh, the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul was satisfied, but not satisfied. In Philippians 4 and 11, let's read what Paul had to say. Paul said, not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Paul said, listen, I'm satisfied. I mean, there are some other things that it might be nice for me to have. There are some possessions that I would not mind having in my life. But whether I have them or not, I'm not going to wait until I get them to be happy. Uh, I'm not going to wait until I receive them to be content. 
Listen, if your happiness and your contentment, if your peace is dependent on stuff, you'll never be happy and you'll never be content. But Paul said, listen, I've just decided to deal with whatever I've got to deal with. I've just decided that I'm going to have peace in my heart no matter what my circumstances may be. I've learned to be content. Oh, bless the name of God. I've learned to be content. And then he said, I know how to be abased. <laughs> and I know how to abound. Listen, do you know how to be disappointed? You know how to be hated? You know how, 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 how to behave when folk neglect you and ignore you? You walked in the room, they never looked in your direction. They were so busy carrying on a conversation with somebody else and they thought you were just too little for them to pay any attention to. Do you lose your mind and go into some type of depression and spend days and days in sorrow and in distress? Or do you shake it off and just go on about your business and say, that's all right? I know how to be abased. I, I, I know how, for, how, how to have folk look down on me and, and think that I'm less than I ought to be. I, I know how to deal with that. Look at your neighbor and say, I can deal with it. If you know how to deal with the way people deal with you, if you know how to handle the, the negative things that people do, you know, people are half crazy anyway. And I said that we ought to pretend that we are living in a mental institution. Uh, uh, and you just can't allow people to determine what your mental condition is going to be. And so Paul said, listen, I'm going to confront all kind of circumstances. And I've just come to tell you, you're going to confront all different kinds of circumstances as you go through life. And so you've got to decide that whatever I'm dealing with, I'm not going to let it change me. I'm not going to let it depress me. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm going to be content no matter what I have to face. If I'm down, I'm going to be all right. It's not that I don't want to get back up. It's not that I want to go any higher. But while I'm down, I'm still going to be happy. I'm still going to be all right. I'm still going to enjoy everything I can enjoy. Clap your hands and give praise to God. I know how to be content no matter how bad things may be. There are always some good things going on in your life. I read about the philosopher Diogenes who was lying in the sun one day and the emperor came by and looked down at Diogenes and said, Diogenes, I'm the great emperor. What is it you want me to do for you? Diogenes looked up at that emperor who could have given him palaces and gold and wealth and, and influence and power. And Diogenes just said, well, uh, Mr. Emperor, would you just move over a little bit? You're blocking the sun and I'm enjoying this good sunshine. Listen, there are so many things for us to enjoy, for us to be hassling about reaching out for other things and trying to get the things of this earth. And so Paul said, I've learned how to be content. And he said, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. And he said, everywhere and in all things, I've learned to be full. And I've learned to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Child of God, there are going to be times in your life 
when things are not going to be as you would like for them to be. But if you endure it and go through it, then that's a sign that you're ready for the next level. When you become a hallelujah anyhow person. Oh, bless the name of God. No matter what happens, you just keep on praising God. No matter what happens, you keep on magnifying his name. That's a sign to God that they've learned the lesson on this level. And now I can take you up a little bit higher. Job in his misfortune and in his pain was able to say he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this shining like gold. I'm not going to come out of it with a whimper and a cry. I'm going to come out praising God and magnifying God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, when misfortune comes your way, lift your hand to God and say, Hallelujah. Anyhow, help me praise him. Help me praise him. Help me praise him. And so Paul said, I want you to know I'm satisfied. I'm all right. Hallelujah. Don't have everything I want. Everything is not like it ought to be. But I'm happy on the inside. I'm at peace on the inside. I've got joy on the inside. I'm satisfied. Well, Paul, what are you talking about when you say you're not satisfied? Well, Paul says, I'm not satisfied because I'm still going higher. Paul said in Philippians 3 and 8, Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. And so Paul said, I'm not satisfied because I don't know Jesus as well as I want to know him. Every day, I want to know him better. Every day, I'm hungry for the more of the Lord. Every day, I want to gain Christ. Hallelujah. And then Paul said, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness which is through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul said in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. And the fellowship of his suffering. And then Paul went a little bit further and said, I don't feel like I've got it made that I've apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching, I'm not satisfied because I'm reaching for the more of God. I'm reaching for the more of his power. I'm reaching for the more of his presence. I'm not satisfied. I press, I press, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And God is calling. I said God is calling. 
for some folk who are satisfied but not satisfied satisfied with God alone satisfied to love God and to praise him even in adverse circumstances satisfied even though you might not have everything you want just loving God and knowing that God will make a way somehow but God wants some folk who in the things of God and the things of the spirit are not satisfied but they want more more of God more of the power of God more of the righteousness of God more of a walk with God more of a sense of God's anointing and God's power in your life Lord I want more Lord I want to go higher Lord I want to be better Lord I'm pressing I'm pressing higher 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 the Bible says blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled so many miss the blessing because they are not hungry so many miss the blessing because they have no spiritual desire so many miss the blessing because they don't love the Lord as they should love the Lord but I love the Lord because he first loved me I love him because he's my past he's my present he's my future I love him because he's my time and he's my eternity and every day every day I want to love him more every day I want to know him better every day I want to go higher 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 raise your hand and say Lord take me higher Lord I want to love you more Lord send down more power yes 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 hallelujah 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 stand up everybody give God some praise hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 I want more. I want to go higher. I want to grow in you. I want to develop in you. I want you to do in me those things that need to be done. There's a world to be saved. There are lives to be changed. There's a work to be done. Help me to go higher so you can use me. Help me to go higher so you can bless me. Help me to go higher so that your name will be praised. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Somebody in this room wants to go higher. Somebody in this room wants a greater anointing of God's spirit. Somebody in this room wants God to fill you again with his power and with his anointing. It would be all right with you if the Lord would pour out his infusion of his spirit into your life. It would be all right with you if the Lord would rock your world and fill you with his power. Lift your hand and say, Lord, fill me again. Lord, fill me again. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Send me the more of your power. Send me the more of your anointing. I need you, Lord. I need your power. I need your love. I need your strength. I need you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Everyone stand, please. How many of you want to be ready to be blessed? How many of you want to be ready to move to the next level in God? The present day church is significantly characterized by being steeped in formality in the process of worship without having the focus and the intensity of intense commitment and ardor and fervor for the Lord. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I've got somewhat against you, Lord, this year. I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And I don't like lukewarm. I want you either hot or cold. I've got something against you, Ephesus, because you don't love me as much as you used to love me. Is there anybody in here who's really in love with the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you really love him, the preacher doesn't have to tell you to praise him. When you really love him, the preacher doesn't have to tell you to clap your hands and receive the spirit. When you really love him, the preacher doesn't have to tell you just out of the love of your heart, you began to praise him and worship him. I wish I had some praises in the house today. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, I wish I had some praises. I wish I had some praises. My praises ought to have been here already. You should have been praising him. Come on and help me praise him. I want us just to take two minutes 
If I can just take two minutes, I want you to take two minutes at the top of your voice with everything that's within you. I want you to praise the Lord. Receive the power, the spirit. One, two, three. Praise him. of his people when you praise God you are inviting God to come in miraculously and in power into your life and while some of you were praising him yokes in your life were broken habits in your life were broken you're not bound by cigarettes you're not bound by alcohol you're not bound by drugs anymore in the midst of your praise God broke yokes and he set you free. Some of you, if you'll check yourself out, that pain that you used to have is gone. God has healed you while you were praising him, while you were blessing him, because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And while you were praising God, God did it. It's done. It's done. It's done. Somebody would say, hey, y'all crazy, y'all crazy, y'all are crazy. But listen, if Barack Obama had walked in here, some of y'all would have did worse than that. And when your favorite team wins the league, wins the contest, you jump and scream. Listen, if they jump and scream for that, then how much more should we jump and scream for this? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor. If they jump and scream for that, then how much more should we jump and scream for this? 